You are listening to audio from Harvest Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. We are so glad you are joining us today. If you would like to know more about Harvest Church, connect with us online at myharvestchurch.com. And now for today's sermon. This morning we're diving into a series titled Vision. I want to talk to you about God's vision for Harvest Church and throughout this series, we're going to discuss where God is leading us and how we can support the vision and what stops us from experiencing God's vision come to pass, not only as the body of Christ, but in our individual lives. Today, I want to establish the context for which we're going to have this conversation these next couple weeks. For those of you who are unfamiliar with you know, vision as it relates to Scripture, uh, let me throw this first point out to you so that we can again establish a foundation. Vision is the bridge between where you are and where God wants you to be. I want to say that again. Vision is the bridge between where you are and where God wants you to be. Vision is communicated in a variety of ways. There's ways where God speaks to our heart. Sometimes he affirms it through others. There's certainly, he always affirms what he speaks to our hearts through scripture. Amen, church? Amen, church? We find vision in, in the word of God. We find vision in our prayer life. We find vision in, in, in the moments of Holy Spirit encounters. Joshua chapter 1 verse 13 says, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Of course, this scripture is in reference to the promised land. The promised land for the Israelites represented where God wanted them to be. It represented God's preferred future for their life. It represented the vision that God had for their life. God has a future for you, church. Amen? He has plans for your life. And he will often lead us into the future that he has for us by giving us vision. God's future for your life. I also want to say this. God's future for your life, God's vision for your life is deeply connected to your involvement in the body of Christ. I want to say that again. God's vision for your life is deeply connected to your involvement in the body of Christ. I was sharing with the worship team this morning. I said, I, I can't get away from this point. And I feel like in our American mindedness, we've heard so many sales pitches that we just kind of like assume once someone says something like that, your involvement in church, we automatically go, okay, that's just the pastor's trying to recruit for numbers. And that's such a sad perspective because I've often said that when we talk about volunteering in church, we're not asking for help, we're inviting you into something. Vast difference. And I was telling the worship team this morning, when it comes to that point, when it comes to the fact that God's vision for your life is deeply connected to your involvement in, in church and how connected you are, I think of over the years, you see, I, I grew up as a pastor's kid, which means my family has more issues than yours. And growing up as a pastor's kid, I was involved in so many ministries, most of the time willingly and sometimes unwillingly. Sometimes because my parents said, hey, sound guy didn't show up today, so guess who the sound guy is? <laughs> I was voluntold. And so throughout my life, though, I, I, I was always involved in church. I mean, I remember as, as a 13-year-old kid, I remember being involved as a, as a helper in the kids' ministry. But here's where this reality 
Here's where this point becomes a reality that God's vision for your life is deeply connected to your involvement in the body of Christ. There were so many voices that spoke into my life in every role that I served in at the church. I I can't tell you how many believers who were so far past where I was in my relationship with Jesus and the words that they spoke and the environment that they spoke them into my life was service. And as I grew older and got involved in serving in the, in the youth ministry, and as I served at different church outreaches as a, as a young man in, in, and a young man in Christ, uh, there were so many people who came alongside me and spoke in my life. And there were so many times when I learned how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit while I was in the midst of serving. And had I not been in a role of serving, had I not been on that missions trip, had I not been on that inner city outreach, had I not been helping at a food kitchen, I wouldn't have learned to hear the Holy Spirit the way that I have. God's vision for your life is deeply connected to your involvement in church. Friend, I want to challenge you right out of the gate here today. You need to get connected to the body of Christ. In our American mindedness, we've kind of taken church as kind of like it's it's kind of like a, a, an appetizer to the American dream. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is this making sense this morning? Where it's kind of like, okay, you have kids, you have the house, you have the picket fence, and then just throw a little bit of religion in there and you'll be all right. And then we ask, where's the power? Years ago, I want to come back to the point. God's vision for your life is deeply connected to your involvement in the body of Christ. Years ago, we knew as a church that God didn't want us to stay where we were, but that God wanted us to not only believe for more, but he also wanted us to seek for more. That his Holy Spirit empowerment would enable us to move forward and seek the quote-unquote more that he had for us. After prayer and seeking the Lord's will, we knew that that there were more people in Lehigh Valley and Berks County and surrounding counties that he wanted us to reach, that there were more children who needed to be impacted him, that there was more Holy Spirit baptisms that needed to take place, that there were more spiritual giftings that had yet to be discovered, that there was more ministry events that would build the body of Christ relationally and spiritually that needed to happen. Four years ago, when we first sensed this feeling of it's quote-unquote time to pursue the more, we were a church of 80 We had around six ministries. We had one service. Salvations would happen here and there. And I think of little details as far as like where we were four years ago. I think of little details like for those of you who've been around for a while, you remember like downstairs there wasn't, there wasn't AC. (laughs) Serving in the kids ministry was not for the faint of heart, mainly because you would faint. And you would go down there and it would be sweaty and stuffy and great because ministry happened. Four years ago, there was a core group of faithful servants that caught the vision that God provided and supported it, yes, financially, but also supported it by serving in and through the church. Now we look and we're a church in the 300s and growing rapidly. Last year, we had over 80 salvations. Can you give God some praise? We had multiple water baptisms, multiple baptisms in the Holy Spirit, and now we have over 29 different ministries. Our kids' area downstairs not only has AC, but is growing. 
We've obviously gone to two services and they seem to get fuller and fuller each week. The local community of Fogelsville has taken notice of what God is doing here and continues to ask church members questions and even stops by the church occasionally and asks, why is the parking lot always full on Sundays? There's hardly a week that goes by where we don't have first-time visitors, and there's hardly a week that goes by where somebody isn't coming to know Jesus for the first time. There are so many incredible testimonies of what God has done. One individual in particular, I love this testimony, was setting up for a men's ministry event that was happening here and expressed that he had never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So some men said, let's, let's go to the altar. And there wasn't even a worship team at this time. Just saying you don't need a worship team to have an altar call come on somebody. And so they bring him to the front altar on a weekday. Did you know that God moves during the week? And they bring him to the altar and he prays to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think of one young family member with a husband couple summers ago was telling me how when his wife and kids first started attending the church, he showed up on a Sunday, and I love the way that he worded this. He said, Pastor, I thought to myself, no church is this good. What's the problem? What's the gimmick? No church is this good. In the following statement, he said, after attending for four to six weeks, I came to realize it really is just that good. That individual was also later baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are so many ministries here that are making an eternal impact. Every year, the ministries grow. We are going to be sending this year for the first time more than two vans worth of kids to the kids breakaway this year, where they will experience the presence and the power of God. Just this past Thursday, the media team was working on rearranging the stage. How many of you like it? Come on. How many of you are okay with change? Can I tell you that I sat on this side today and it blew my mind? I felt a fresh wind of the Lord. I'm telling you, this side might be more anointed than that side. You have some work to do over here, right side. I'm just saying, I'm kidding. And so I'm I'm going on bunny trails today. You're just going to have to go with me whether you like it or not. But just this past Thursday, we had the media ministry that was doing a great job at a stage redesign, and there was a, also a group of, of women who are here, and they seem to be growing every Thursday at the women's Bible study, and I, I pull into the parking lot after finishing up some morning meetings, and the parking lot on a Thursday is full. And as I'm pulling in, I'm, I'm watching people who are driving by, and they're slowing down and looking like, don't y'all know that it's Thursday? God is moving in incredible ways. But here's the reality, church. What God has done here and is continuing to do isn't because of coincidence. It's not because of chance. What God is doing here didn't one day just happen all of a sudden. A common misconception when it comes to the vision of God is this. If it's God vision, it'll just happen on its own. A common misconception among believers, specifically charismatic, Pentecostal, evangelical, there's this common misconception that if God provides the vision, then I don't have any responsibility with it. It's just going to happen. 
In other words, I don't have to do anything. It's, it's, it's all God, and it, it can happen without me. And, and here's the reality, church. Just because God gave the Israelites a vision didn't mean that they didn't have a responsibility. And the same goes for us. If we want to be used by God, if we want to have vision from God, then we must be obedient to God and put forth the effort to which he calls us to put forth. So if vision doesn't just come to pass all on its own. The question is, is how does vision work? Look at it kind of like if you were to take the engine of a car out of the car and begin to disassemble it. As you get into the parts of the engine, you start to come to understand how the engine works. And I want to break down for just a moment. I want to take apart vision so that we can see the inner workings of vision and see how it works. First and foremost, when it comes to vision, God provides the vision. He provides it. Parents, we say this every time we do a dedication service. The first question that you should be asking is, what does God want to do in the life of my child? His vision, his plans have got to come first because if you enforce your plans upon that child without including God in the conversation, the plans that are being established for your children are man-made and set up for failure. God provides the vision. And just like he has a vision for our children, he has a vision for you. He has a vision for his church. Come on, somebody. Jesus communicates a God-sized vision in the famous Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 scripture, also referred to as the Great Commission. It's called the Great Commission, but it could also be called the Great Vision. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, Jesus says, Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. There is an incredible amount of strategy that goes into seeing this God-sized vision come to fruition. For the Apostle Paul, it was church planting, raising up leaders. Paul and his leadership, when you study scripture, the leadership skills of Paul are incredible. Paul had a way of influencing those who were influencers in the culture. When you look at the various lists of names, you know, there's one specific chapter uh, in specific where there's just a list of names of all of Paul's companions. And when you look into the, the historical background of those companions, of those people that Paul was influencing, you come to find that they were people of means in that culture, that they had influence. So part of Paul's strategy in fulfilling the Great Commission, the Great Vision, was going and raising up leaders and planting churches throughout the culture. But back to the point, Jesus gives this vision, and Jesus is going to be ascending to the right hand of the Father, leaving the disciples to accomplish this vision, and they are thinking to themselves, how? How are we going to do this on our own? Which brings us to our second point, and how does vision work? Secondly, the Holy Spirit provides the empowerment. So you have God providing the vision. And secondly, you have the Holy Spirit providing the empowerment. Jesus tells the disciples, he says, I'm going to send a helper to accomplish the vision given to them. And we read about this promise being fulfilled on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
The church receives the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why? What is the purpose in the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Power to do what? Fulfill the Great Commission. To do the works of Christ. The church receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish a God-sized vision. Aren't you thankful that God knew that we would need help? Aren't you thankful for that? They now receive empowerment, empowerment to do the work of Jesus Christ. Doing the work of Jesus Christ, by the way, is a part of God's vision for the church. The Holy Spirit, he's extremely creative. Have you discovered that yet? The Holy Spirit, he's an out-of-the-box kind of individual. He helps guide the strategic planning that goes into fulfilling God-given vision. Church, God has a plan in all things. The Holy Spirit will empower us to put together a strategic plan together and empower us to fulfill the vision that God provides. God provides the vision. The Holy Spirit provides the plan and empowerment to accomplish the vision. And now you and I have a role in this, which brings us to our third point. And how does vision work? Number three, we are expected to be obedient. God provides the vision. The Holy Spirit provides the empowerment. And we are expected to be obedient. Peter, the, the disciple Peter, now that he's aware of the vision, he has sought and received the Holy Spirit empowerment, and now he is expected to be obedient to reach the lost and grow the found. Peter is obedient and preaches a sermon that begins to start a revival, and listen to the action steps of obedience that take place in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Hit the pause button. Did you know that generosity is a characteristic of revival? Generosity is a characteristic of revival. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad, sincere hearts. They broke bread, church. They liked carbs. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mm. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. With this vision and the people of God being empowered, they are obedient and begin to reach other people who then understand God's vision, and then they seek empowerment, and then they are obedient to reach others, and the cycle goes on and on and on and on and changes the world as we know it. Harvest Church, we have experienced this biblical model of God giving vision of God-given vision. We've experienced this in these past four years. We experience this at events like this. If we can show that first picture. This is a picture, I know it's kind of blurry, but you can see a few people scattered towards the front of the sanctuary. And this picture was taken at what we call a sacred assembly. It's where we as a church just gather around for a night of worship with no agenda but to seek the Lord. 
and we've experienced God-given vision not only through the Acts 2 journey program, which I mentioned previously, but we also experienced God-given vision and Holy Spirit empowerment at events like this. You see, God doesn't need a whole lot of people to do something big. He just needs a few who are willing and dedicated. And the church has, has had a foundation that is laid from a few that were dedicated to say, yes, Lord, and open themselves up to say, Lord, I, not by my power, but by your spirit. And it was at events like this and still to this day where we not only receive the God-given vision, but we receive the Holy Spirit empowerment. And out of the obedience, uh, obedient hearts of the church saying, yes, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to serve, I'm going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we are now more familiar with the sanctuary that looks like this. Like this. <laughs> like... It'll be here soon. It'll be really cool too. While they work on that, hey, look what God did. Let's go back one. Go, go back to the other picture. I want to do this again. Can, is it frozen now? Did we break it? It's, it's broken. So keep it there, like I said. Uh, oh, come on, man. We're about to go back, so you might as well click the button now, and it, by the time we say it, it'll be there. God took that to this. God just needs a few who are obedient. As a result of walking in obedience and serving the church through the church, we now experience a sanctuary site that looks more like this. And again, if you're new with us and you say, wow, this guy's really into numbers, we celebrate the numbers because every number represents a life and every life represents an eternity. And I thank God for what he's doing. God provides the vision. The Holy Spirit provides the empowerment. And we are expected to be obedient. Obedient, and I want to be clear on what that word obedient means. Would you say that word obedient with me? Ready? One, two, three. Obedient, obedient as in, first off, run after God's vision. Obedient as in we are running after God's vision. <laughs> Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Did you know that you could switch that word plans out for vision? For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has plans for your life. He has a vision for your life and you and I are expected to pursue them. Church, it's not enough to just have vision. You have to do something with it. It's like, it's like having a God-given vision and not doing anything with it, which is essentially what we have when this starts to get covered with dust. It's like having a God-given vision but doing nothing with it. It's kind of like going out and, and buying just the sweetest, like most awesome flat-screen TV, putting it on your wall at home, 
and never plugging it in. And when people come over, they're like, hey, that's a nice flat screen. You're like, yeah, look at it. Can we watch it? No. No, it's not set up for that. (laughs) Like, I think that we would all agree that that's a little ridiculous and that you would look at your friend or family member and be like, you need help. Like, it's kind of like whenever we have a God-given vision and we wait on it and we don't do anything with it, and we just keep saying someday, when in reality God is calling us to fulfill a vision here and now. If it's a God-given vision, yes, nothing will stop it, but you could still miss out on it just like the Israelites. Obedient as in, serving in and through the church. You and I were created to serve. It's, it's in our DNA. It's the way that God wired us. Is that there's something that just feels profoundly satisfying about a selfless act for the benefit of someone else. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. You were created to serve others. There is power in serving in the church and through the church. In a digital media-driven day and age, I thank God for our online live stream. We're reaching people far beyond where we ever even imagined. But please understand that it does not satisfy the commands that Scripture calls us to fulfill by gathering together. Obedient as in serving in and through the church. Obedient as in, yes, tithing. Tithing, it's very odd that over the years, tithing has become a Christian swear word in the church. Where even the way that we often say tithing, it's never tithing, it's tithing. And there's this weird belief in modern Christianity that says, well, pastor, tithing is an Old Testament principle. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23 through 24 says, he's speaking to the Pharisees, by the way, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees and hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even on the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And hit the pause button right there. In modern day Christianity, Christ followers will stop the scripture there and say, see, Jesus is concerned about love and mercy and faithfulness. He's not concerned about tithing anymore, but listen to Jesus' words. You should tithe, yes, 
but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus is saying do both. You blind guides, you strain your water so that you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Jesus, like, man, he burned a lot of people. I'm just saying, like, man. Jesus said, yes, you should tithe. Some of the translations represented here today said these things you ought to have been doing. It's Jesus saying, yes, you should tithe. tithe the word tithe literally means 10%. We're commanded to tithe. The word, again, the word means 10% as a result. And let me just throw this out there in a more practical way. Some, if you're here today and you uh, faithfully give, I, I want to let you know where your tithes have gone. As a result of your faithful giving these past four years, we've been able to, again, did I mention put AC in downstairs? Did I mention that yet? The kids aren't as sweaty as before when you pick them? Okay, just making sure. We put in AC, new flooring, painting and trim downstairs. We've added two full-time staff members and hired three part-time positions. We paid off our current building more than $250,000, by the way, and purchased a new property debt-free. Your tithes have gone to attributing to 80 salvations and an overflowing kids' ministry week in and week out. As a result of your generosity, we have been able to support more than 15 missionaries, We're now able to support Convoy of Hope, the ministry to Hope Mission Rescue Homeless Shelter, provide resources to local pregnancy centers, and the list goes on and on. When we give, every dollar that we give towards the kingdom goes and kicks the devil in the teeth. What's happening here isn't by coincidence. It's just not. We want to thank you for your faithfulness because something that is so cool to think about is like these are some of the results that we do see. Can you imagine what heaven is going to be like when you have people that you can see who are from nations that you've never been to? Who are able to say, you know what, as a result of your giving in that town of Fogelsville, I had a missionary come to my village and tell me about Jesus. Can you imagine what eternity is going to be like when we see that we just gave 10%? And aren't you thankful that it's not 90%? Because he could have said, give the 90 out and, and you can keep the 10. And he would have been just for doing so. 10%. Obedient as in, yes, tithing. Obedient as in, maintaining unity. When we talk about how all of us are called to be obedient, we have the God-given vision. The Holy Spirit empowers us to fulfill the vision. And then we are called to be obedient. Obedient to what? Obedient to the things that we've just learned about and obedient as in maintaining unity. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 says, Always be humble and gentle. Or I'm sorry, 2 through 4. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I want to read that statement again. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort 
to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for future. Making an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Let me ask you something, and please do not answer out loud. Is there space in your life that allows others to make mistakes? Is there space in your hearts and in your patience and in your temperament? Is there space, a margin, that allows for others to make mistakes so that you can pour into their life and move forward and see them grow from those mistakes? Because I got to be honest, like when, when I reflect on this scripture, I'm like, God, like I need help with that. Because my temperament is I'm the first to, to cry out for justice. But whenever it comes to receiving grace or asking for grace, I'm like, man, I, I should focus on this more and, and, and give grace a little more. Is there space in your life to allow others to make mistakes? And let's be honest, some of us are afraid to allow that space because we're afraid of getting taken advantage of and burned, and so we're just going to shut everyone out. You make one mistake, you're done with me, you're cut off. Isn't that the culture that we live in, though? Like, we're so desperate to shun people that we'll go back into their history 5, 10, 15 years ago just to bring out a mistake that they did and act like they committed it today. Is that not us as a culture? Come on, church, don't get quiet. Do you have a space in your life? Because this scripture commands us to have space in our life that says, you know what? You can make a mistake, and we're going to learn and grow from it together. Obedient as in maintaining unity. This is what unity looks like. Recognizing that we're not all perfect and we're going to make mistakes and being willing to say, you know what? It's all good. You and I are both going to learn together and move forward. I started out our membership meeting this past December with this statement before we took a vote on the new church property. And I want to repeat this biblical statement as we continue to start out this new year. No matter what this year brings, I can guarantee you that every person here today will have an opportunity to exercise unity. No matter what this year brings, every Christ follower in this sanctuary and joining us online or out in the lobby, downstairs listening in as they take care of our kids, every Christ follower is going to be given in 2024 an opportunity to exercise unity. Unity does not mean that we don't have differences. Unity is loving one another in spite of our differences and moving forward together. That's unity. We often look at unity as in, yeah, we can have unity because we don't have problems. No, 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 we have problems. Unity isn't saying we don't have differences. Unity is saying, you know what, we're going to love one another in spite of our differences. Amen, church? As we head towards the closing and the worship team makes their way forward, I want to share with you just two principles that are going to guide us in having vision as a church in 2024. In the weeks to come, we're going to dive into the topic of vision and, and some more details. But for today, I, I want to give us two guiding principles in what we can expect at Harvest Church in 2024. Harvest Church, for, for 2024, first and foremost, we're going to continue to take steps to reach our community. 
That's part of our vision. It's who we are. I'm so excited for some of the opportunities that have been presented to us for 2024. I am so proud of our outreach ministry, by the way. Can we give it up for our outreach ministry led by Rebecca Ezolt and all the volunteers that serve in that outreach ministry? This outreach ministry is very unique. And this outreach ministry that we have here and through Harvest Church had launched a program, I mean, hardly even a year ago, if that. Has it even been a year, Rebecca? Hasn't even been a year. September. What this, let me, let me define what the program is. So our outreach program has started this ministry, kind of like it's, it's called Community Buddies, where we have church representatives, Christ followers, that are simply going into our community and just trying to say, hey, we're here for you, whatever you need. And this initiative entails you know, everything from uh, uh, dropping off different like goodies and care packages at our local fire department and police department and school district and maybe going to the nurse's station at a school district and handing them uh, hygienic products and saying, you know what, give these to the kids. We just want you to know that we're here for you, that we love you. No strings attached. And so this Community Buddies program has started to go into the community in various ways. And we didn't expect to have relational bridges built for a while. And again, we're not trying to get anything in return. We're just trying to say, hey, we love Jesus and therefore we love you too. We just want to help you because we want to see our community succeed. And so this program had started and we didn't expect, at least I didn't expect, to see any progress, you know, for a while, because how many of you know building relationship, it takes time. So like we're fresh into this program and get a phone call from the local to fire, fire department and they said, hey, can we use your parking lot for a community day where we're gonna set up the fire trucks and we're gonna direct everybody in the community to come and use your parking lot so that we can you know, make people aware that you know, we're, we're here for them and fire department and food trucks and all kinds of other stuff. And they came to us and asked us. And I'm like, hold on, you wanna direct everyone in the community to our parking lot? Church, I gotta be honest, I didn't pray about it. did not pray. You can, you can call me what you want. I did not pray. I said, yes, absolutely. There's some things that come on, give God some praise. There's, there's some things that happen that you don't even have to pray about. The Lord just tells you, you're going to direct everyone in the community. Sure. In 2024, we're going to reach our community church. Local fire department asks if they can direct a community here. We're happy to serve. We're going to continue to build bridges within our community just to let them know that we care and that we love them. I'm so proud of this outreach ministry and how it started to lay a foundation for our church in the area of outreach ministry. Can I, can I brag on just something else that God is doing? Is that okay? You sure? Some of y'all look a little grumpy. I don't know. If you're happy, just smile. And so 
with this community buddies program, they recently went to a police department, if we can show that picture, and the police department throws this on their social media. It says, thank you, and tags a church, thank you, Harvest Church. All we wanted was for our police officers to know that we haven't abandoned them. All we wanted to know, our police officers to know is that I understand that culture has given them a bad label, but we thank them for protecting us. All we wanted to know, them to know was, hey, have some iced tea. We love you. And man, it, it meant a lot to them. And that's all we want as a church is we just want to know that for those to know who are, who are in our community that, that we, we love them that we're not trying to do a sales pitch and we're gonna trust that there's gonna be opportunities to lead them to Jesus because that just happens candidly. You ever notice how Jesus served first and then people came to know him most of the time? We're gonna continue to host events that allow the church, that's us, to invite unsaved loved ones, friends, family members, coworkers to this place. We're looking at hosting our first ever Friends Day and we'll go through more details to that in the upcoming weeks. But the point is, is there are those in our community who need to know that there's a church that loves them. So our vision for 2024 is absolutely, we're gonna reach our, our community. The second principle to vision, and again, we'll dive into details in the upcoming weeks is we will be mission, that means people focused. It's a part of our vision that we will be mission, which means people focused. I wanna say this, that we celebrate the new property. And I'm so excited for how God is gonna lead in that area. And if for some reason we were to get, we've said this before, if we were to get test results back that say, hey, you can't build on it, then so be it. God's got something better in store. And as much as we celebrate a, a new property and all that God is doing, church, can I tell us right now we're in kind of a vulnerable position as a church, and here's why. Don't lose your focus. Focus on the mission, not the building. Focus on the mission, not the property. Don't allow Satan in, uh, to, to, to have a, a foothold in your life by steering your focus over. When I say that we will be mission focused, I want us to understand here and now as a church, it means that we will continue to invest our time, passion, and finances. I want to say that again, finances and talents into reaching the lost and growing the found here and now. Satan would love nothing more than to have a church empowered, or excuse me, enamored with a new property and stop doing the work of reaching the lost and growing the found. Church, I want us to understand something here today. As happy as we are to someday build a new building and that's all fine and great, people are eternal, buildings are not. People are eternal. Buildings are not. We place our value in people because that's what God values. When we start focusing on all of our, all our financial resources and we, when we stop dreaming of what God can do in our community, when we start saying things like, well, we'll do that someday when we have a bigger ministry space, you and I won't have to worry about a new property or a new building because soon we won't have people to fill it. 
Let's stay focused on the vision that God has, which is going after the one, which is going after the broken, which is reaching the lost and growing the found. That's our vision, church. That's our mission. Everything else will change. We say it in our core values. We say it in our mission statement that everything is up to change, but our message will never change. We can change the decor of the church. We can change the layout of the stage. We can sit in different places. But one thing that will never change is our message. And Jesus said, go into all the world. And he's calling us to do that in 2024, church. If you're not serving, I want to invite you not to come help. I want to invite you into an opportunity. You can go online. There are QR codes on the back of the seats here this morning that will take you to a webpage where you can sign up to serve in a ministry here at the church. If, you're, if you say, Pastor, I'm not technologically inclined, me either. And so for people like us, there are print copies, old school, right? Paper copies in the lobby of forms that you can fill out to serve. I want to challenge you, church. The vision that God has for Harvest Church, it's going to require the body of Christ to rise up and say, for such a time as this, I will. Would you stand with me? Again, if you're not serving, I want to challenge you. I want to invite you into an experience. I want to invite you into a deeper level of discipleship. Church, as we close out today's service, would you join me in this dangerous prayer of asking God to burn in you for the lost, for those who don't know him yet, for those who are far from him, would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I want to ask you, wherever you're seated right now, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to say out loud your town, where you live, the local area, township maybe, whatever identifies where you are. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to say that out loud. And as you say it, I want you to immediately, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to immediately begin to pray, God, give me a burden for the area that you've placed me in. Give me a burden for my street. Give me a burden for my town. Give me a burden for my local county. Give me a burden for this area. Give me a burden. I want you to think just for a moment, church, I want you to imagine. For some of y'all, you've been following Jesus for a long time. And there might be a part of your life that forgets what it is to be lost and broken. Just imagine for a moment that the marriages that are falling apart on, on your street and in your town. Just imagine the addictions that are breaking relationships and marriages apart that are destroying lives. Imagine the addictions that are taking place in the town and in the area that you're in. 
imagine those who are going through heartbreak that we can only imagine and some who are even struggling and contemplating taking their own life. Imagine the brokenness that is represented in the areas that you and I live in. And in just a moment, I'm going to count to three, and you're going to say out loud the area that you live in, and we're going to begin to pray that God would not only burden us, but I want you to pray over these needs. I want you to begin to pray, Lord, here am I, send me. I want you to begin to ask God, how do you want to use me to reach this area? You ready, church? With every head bowed and every eye closed, ready? One, two, three, go. Begin to pray. Come on. Just begin to pray on reaching those areas, having influence in those areas. Begin to pray. What action steps of obedience does God is God calling you to do? Is it simply going and knocking on a neighbor's door and saying, hey, I just want you to know that if you ever need anything, I'm right next to you. What's God calling you to do? Because church, he's calling us to action today. He's not calling us to wishful thinking anymore. Come on, somebody. He's calling the body of Christ to action. If you believe in a savior, then it means that you and I live differently. It means that we are carriers of hope. And it's time to stop putting hope on the wall like that unused flat screen TV. It's time to start carrying hope. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Just a few more seconds. Come on, church. Would you just begin to pray out loud? Raise the decibel meter here today. Grow in boldness together today. Pray over those lost. Pray over those broken situations. Begin to ask the Lord, how do you want to use me? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Begin to ask God for vision. He'll supply the empowerment with the understanding that you're called to be obedient. Just a few more seconds and I'll close this out in prayer. This year we're going to be challenging the church to host block parties in their communities for the sake of building relationship with your neighbors. Would you begin to pray even here now, Lord, if that's me, help me to start to set up the conversations here now. Just a few more seconds. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your vision and the plans that you have for our lives. And we recognize that those visions and plans involve us being connected to one another as the body of Christ. So, Lord, help us to be connected. Help us to walk in unity. Help us to walk in like-mindedness. Help us to walk in the same uh, value system. When we recognize here today that people are eternal. And that's where your value system lies. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you would impart that value system into our hearts, into our minds, into our lives, into the very way that we see and perceive things that your value system would dictate the direction that our lives go in. Lord, I pray today, not only for the continuing supply of vision, but Lord, we ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit because we recognize that 
we can't go into all the world and reach all the world and proclaim the good news without your help. So may your empowerment fill each and every individual here through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And would you forgive us in our rebellious hearts? May we be obedient and walk in accordance to your will and your wisdom. Now, God, I pray that, again, you would impart that burden for the lost, that it would keep us awake at night if need be, that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours, and, Lord, that you would stir up a passion and a conviction that says, I have got to do something about this. I have got to reach my community, my town, my friends, my family, my coworkers for Jesus. Lord, as we leave this place here today, would you go before us, continue to open doors that we never could have imagined. And if it isn't your will, we ask that you would close those doors. We ask this in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said, so here's what I want us to do. I'm going to count off to three. And you know those football movies where like they put their hands in ready and one, two, three, go team, go. Okay, ready? On the count of three, we're all going to yell vision, okay? Because that's what we're believing for. That's what we're running after is God's vision for our lives with the understanding that he's going to supply the Holy Spirit empowerment and we're going to walk in obedience. Amen, church? You ready? Are you ready? Ready? We're vision on three. Ready? One, two, three. God bless you as you go with the Lord. He's going with you. This has been an audio recording from Harvest Church. If you'd like to know more about Harvest Church or get connected, please visit us online at myharvestchurch.com or email us at info at myharvestchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.